Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On this episode, we are delighted to be speaking to James Mant. James is the Managing Director of Greenfields Insurance, and today he's talking to us about his personal and professional journey through the insurance industry. Welcome, James. Good morning, James. Thank you very much for joining us on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. And as I said that, I realised it's actually afternoon. So good afternoon. (laughs) I hadn't spotted that bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you very much for joining us. I think it'd be really useful to have a conversation about Greenfields, about your uh, sort of growth aspirations, how you've got to where you are, and um, what challenges you faced along the way. So if you want to give us a bit of an overview of you, yourself, and I, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, well, Greenfield was established in 1989 by Steve. Um, I joined the company in, in 2000, bought half the business at that time. We had aspirations to, to grow the business organically, uh, which, which we've achieved over the years. Steve retired from the business two years ago. Um, so we're on to our sort of second phase of, of life as a business. Aspiration-wise, we're working on a five-year plan. Um, we'd like to grow the business to a, a premium income of five million. What were the other questions, Sarah? Ask me some of the other ones. It's obviously quite a, an interesting position that you've been through. And like you say, you're now into the second phase, Steve having left. What challenges did that present you with? Oh, the, the, the hardest thing, I think, was going from being able to share problems and having a, a partner to, uh, to listen and you know that that sort of thing of a problem shared is a problem halved is is very true and I, I was looking forward to to sort of taking the business forward on my own but it's a very very lonely place to be um, I think it took me a, a year or so to to get used to to being on my own and, and making decisions without any guidance so I think that's probably the the, the scariest thing and, and the most character building aspect of, of going from two of us to one. And if you throw a pandemic into that, how did that affect you? Uh, well, we had the pandemic and we moved office a week before the first lockdown. So we had a, a double whammy. The, the pandemic, I think the biggest problem for us has, was managing the transition of staff and, and adapting to the pandemic from a monetary perspective it's actually had a positive effect on the business um, and I think as a, there are more opportunities out there now than probably there's been for a long time so I'm actually quite positive about the business and the success of the business it's it's managing the other aspects staff and, and client expectations has, has been the biggest challenge. That's interesting what makes you say there's more opportunities James what do you? I think when Times are good uh, and businesses are profitable. They're almost too busy to, to look at their insurance needs. When you get a downturn, it's one of the things that gets analysed first. Um, it, it's either around can we save money on insurance or more so are we getting value for money for, for our insurance spend? 
So we tend to find that in a, in a downturn or a recession, we get the, the volume of inquiries is greatly increased. Does that, I mean, presumably that also infects, affects your retention? Yeah. You're online for doing the same. Do you, do you take any measures then to improve retention? Our retention is very good anyway. I quite like the recession because it, it's, we find that more clients come in than leaders. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I'm, I'm viewing the whole pandemic as a positive aspect a positive um, thing at the moment on the sort of the detail of a lot of businesses very suddenly had to set people up working from home yeah so there's a lot of it structure out there that has been put together with sellotape and string yes how do you feel about that security i mean there's a lot of different ways of now getting into your system i'm guessing yeah where we were planning an office move at the beginning of last year, we actually planned everything around being able to work away from the office. So by luck, we had a good infrastructure in place already, um, albeit by the skin of our teeth and probably three or four days before the first lockdown, but uh, but it was there. Um, you know, we had registers on, on who could work from home. It, it had been tested um, we, we'd invested in a brand new BT phone system at the beginning of last year that, that was the sort of what I'd call plug and play, you know, plug it in in Spain and, and it's like being at your desk. Yeah. Um, so for us, it wasn't too much of a challenge. Same question for your clients, because I recently, and I know we've spoken about this offline, uh, I've recently done a podcast with a cybersecurity expert who works in, in that space. Mm-hmm. How, in terms of your client base what kind of conversations are you having there it's mixed i think i think the people in the sales environment the sales are definitely down um people working from home that they're not as motivated i don't think there's the competitive edge of of being in an office with with other colleagues you know vying for um bonuses etc um so i think that that element isn't what it was the it sector well, I think they've been working from home for years anyway. They're fine. And I have to say, I, where perhaps we're dealing with mostly smaller businesses, maybe below 10 or 20 staff, a lot have remained at their premises, but in a COVID-secure way. From, from what I feel, it's it's the larger businesses that are operating from home. From a purely personal perspective, dealing with any large corporation that's now effectively home-based, the service standards have reduced dramatically, dramatically. Um, We've got one or two insurers who will remain nameless, but you can't actually speak to them anymore. It's it's all via email. Oh, that's hard work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really hard work. So talk to me about um, Ataraxia, because you guys are part of uh, the Ataraxia Brokers uh, Yep. circle what made you make that move and what support have you found and uh what challenges have you found yeah so um the, the way the business was set up before ataraxia steve is 20 year, 20 years older than me he was ready to look at exiting the business um i wasn't ready to sell i still had challenges that i wanted to fulfill and, and to test myself and we were looking for a solution that would allow him to exit the business, release his equity from the business, but me carry on with day-to-day control. And there wasn't a solution out there uh, until Ataraxia came along. 
the only option was to, to sell the business. Um, but Ataraxia came up with what felt like and is the perfect solution to, to our problems. It was one of those arrangements or deals where, where everybody wins. You know, I, I win, Steve won, and, and Ataraxia, you know, win as well. Um, you don't often get that in life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's it's taken a little bit longer to, for things to settle down than perhaps was the original plan. But, but that aside, the Ataraxia arrangement's been fantastic. It's, it's allowed the business to continue. That's really interesting, and I suspect uh, Ataraxia might want to borrow this uh, pod- <laughs> podcast when it goes when it goes live. <laughs> um, just to go back to something you just said, you had some self challenges and things you wanted to fulfil. Tell me about those. What's yeah. your sort of ideals and plans as a, as personal in a business sense, if that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah, good question. It was a terribly think, articulated question, uh, is what it was. <laughs> I, know, I know the question you were asking. Um, I, I think probably through a through my work career, there's always been a comfort blanket of some kind. You know, wherever I've I've been an employee or I've had a more experienced partner, and I, I, I felt I'd got to the age where it was now or never, and I had to I had to find out if I was good enough to, to, to take the business forward. Um, it's, it was, it's not about money. It's not about ego. It's just, you know, am I, am I capable of, of doing something which I've always wanted to do? Um, so it's a, quite a personal thing because I, I come from a family of all self-employed people who are all pretty successful. So <laughs> maybe there's a bit of um, hereditary pressure there, but <laughs> that aside, yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And, and and if you were to um evaluate the last two years of of being solo and not having uh Steve as a comfort blanket, what would you say were the biggest um challenges? What what things have happened that have made you go, oh my God, question who I am and, and how have you come through it? I, I think the, the the biggest challenge has been the loneliness w- without any doubt. That's taken 12 to 18 months I think to get used to and I think in the very very early stages it felt very lonely challenges I think there are challenges every day in every business and I think probably what I've learned is to be more aware of what the potential downside of anything is um, I'm always very good at looking at the upside but what's the worst case scenario and I think probably in the last two years, that, that's been my le- biggest lesson is look at what the worst case scenario of the business decision is. And if that's not so bad, then it's okay. <laughs> I think those very wise words. I had a similar conversation with Alistair Roberts in a podcast a while ago now, actually, because he's uh, launched uh, on his own. And loneliness was one of the things that he mentioned as well. And actually, for myself, being a, a business owner, uh, particularly in the early days before David came on full time, same thing. You, you have conversations with you know, your partner, even my 11 year old. And she's like, I don't care, mum. <laughs> and it's uh, you know when you're trying to figure your way through what you're trying to do or why you're trying to do it you get caught in that sort of spiral of what ifs it's quite a difficult place to be sorry I'm just gonna say I'm interested you 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 mentioned you've always grown organically which is not actually an easy thing to do 
in an industry like ours, which is very well established. I, I mean, the, you know, it's not like you're growing into a new market. You can only really grow organically by taking business off other people, I suppose. So how have you managed that? What sort of percentages have you? And what, what I mean, what, you know, that's a, that's quite a specific thing to the insurance broking industry. What What's your view on that? Yeah, I, I uh... Yeah, the, the 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 new new client is is what every broker wants. You know, it's it's that you know golden golden ticket in a way, isn't it? Um, and and the hardest business to win. How have we achieved it? I I think a combination of marketing and personality, <laughs> um, and, and just building connections over years. And I, I think probably also remembering that the business community is, is a very, very small community. And I've always worked on sort of the more you give give back, the more they'll give you in return. And I've just worked on that sort of basis over the years and it, it, it sort of paid off for us. I think it's a really important lesson. And um, Kevin Hancock of Utree Insurance said to me very early on in the Boston Tullis days something very, very similar. Um, and one of the one of his kind of crucial business ethos is, is is exactly that, which is why he's belonged to the CII and Bieber and and actually also developed some networking groups outside of uh, the insurance industry for specific industries, which are you know, a way of giving back. Mm. And it was shortly after that conversation that I joined the CII Cambridge mm. Institute. And to be honest, the value, the support, the connections, the opportunities that have come out of that for us have been incredible. It just absolutely proves the point of uh, give more than you take and you'll find good things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find any support from ataraxia in terms of that lonely journey i don't know how involved they are with being able to support any of these i i, I can answer that question in a slightly different way i think and say one of the things i like about ataraxia is they're very hands-off in the day-to-day running of the business they, they just let me get on with it and i think you know from my perspective that was one of the, the, the biggest reasons for, for joining ataraxia was that they weren't overly interested in the day-to-day running of the business um, there if I needed them but not sort of in my face I suppose. That, that's uh, that corroborates some of the other conversations I've had around um, their offering so uh, yeah there's, there's that double-edged sword isn't there I want maybe somebody to bounce ideas off but mostly I just want you to listen I'll get there on my own please don't tell me what to do because if you do I'm going to do the opposite just by default yes yeah I might have just given away some of my personality there (laughs) oops um how do you find the there's the age-old cliche is the wrong word um saying of as the owner you've got to work on the business rather than in the business but to me, I've spoken to lots of different people who still maintain a, a sort of a, a client base. Even uh, I had to, did a podcast with Peter Blanc, and he still has clients uh, despite being CEO of Aston Lark. Where do you sit on that? I, for me, the, the perfect sort of work on or work in the business would, would be 50 50. Um, and that's what I'm striving to achieve. Um, I think if I'm honest with myself, it's probably 80 20. Uh, in favour of, of working on the client, you know, that 
phone call comes in or the or the email comes in and invariably I need it today or I need it in the next five minutes sits ahead of the piece of paper on the desk that's I don't know some business related matter um, so yeah I think possibly that's the greatest challenge for any owner of an insurance broker is is stepping away from from the clients I wouldn't uh, limit it to insurance brokers I'd say mm-hmm. any sort of mid-size or under business that is the struggle it's one of the the age-old struggles it's a conversation David and I have often about what where and how and direction how do you find staff management because I know that's always a a tricky thing particularly in the days of working from home I know you're laughing (laughs) (laughs) I think probably any business owner's gripe and I I won't say it too loud but it's it's staff management (laughs) um I'm I'm quite lucky at the moment. I've got a very good team, and it's evolved into what is at the moment a little bit of a family business. Um, so there's three of us here that are related, loosely, uh, but related. So um, it's a little bit of a family business at the moment. But I mean, historically, we've had some bad apples, and they can upset the whole team. Um, and you have to sometimes take decisions that. You know, you're not overly comfortable with um, from a personal perspective, but you have to do what's best for the business overall. Um, and I think probably since I've, I've been a business owner, I've become a harder person than perhaps I first was, but, but, but always, you know, for the benefit of the long term of the business um, and the other staff mostly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, staff management's definitely the hardest part. Definitely, <laughs> I'm not going to ask the same question to David because I don't know, don't want to know what he's going to say. <laughs> I think he's probably going to say that his staff management is so easy because we're all amazing. <laughs> that was exactly it. That was exactly the word. <laughs> Mind reading, hey. Um, so okay, so you've taken the leap. You're now. Um, managing the business, growing organically, doing what you've always wanted to prove to yourself you can do. For anybody sitting within their comfort blanket and wanting to jump out of it, what would you say is your top bit of advice? Anybody, so effectively anybody that's looking, going on their own or or, or setting up an insurance brokers or, or any business really, isn't it? Best bits of advice, plan properly. Um, underestimate your income by half (laughs) (laughs) Um, and probably overestimate your overheads by at least 25% (laughs) Um, and that's probably where you'll end up. Oh, you are doing me a lot of good, James. (laughs) We're just talking about another little business venture and um, very helpful, very helpful. (laughs) No comment. Um, And I, I think probably also have a good support network around you. You know, if if you've got a spouse or a partner, they've got to be fully behind you. Um, if if they're not behind you, you know, that what what is a business pressure can also turn into a, a personal life pressure. And you know, I think you can cope with one or the other, but but not both at the same time. I think you've missed a very important piece of advice that you should absolutely invest in marketing. <laughs> very true oh, no. yeah. that's very true actually yeah. well, thank you <laughs> i tell you what two, two of the best decisions we ever made as a, as a as a business and going right back to well probably three decisions 
One was joining Broker Network. One was employing our first marketing agency uh, when we probably couldn't afford it. Um, and, and I think the third decision was joining Ataraxia. So I think those are the sort of three game-changing moments for, for Greenfield Insurance. I think that's uh, fabulous. And all of those tie into organic growth, marketing, support, strategic planning, etc. So, no, I think that is really, really helpful, really interesting. And I'm really grateful for your time, James. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.